Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And it is midweek time once again here on the Al Chat Podcast. Want to wish a happy holidays to all of our listeners. Um, today we've got plenty to talk about. We've got some uh, men's basketball to preview this weekend. Uh, we've got a football signing class to talk about and a whole lot of stuff um, and some of the other sports around KSU athletics. Um, but today I am joined only by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer, just like the good old days. John, how are we doing today? Doing good, man. Yeah, it's usually, you know, full house with Nick and then Tim. Aaron or Nick for, uh, you know, basketball and football coverage. And now it's just us like in the early days and, you know, July and August, I say early days, it's like three months ago, but whatever, um, you know, it's just a little bit, a uh, little bit different, but let's do this. Yeah. Um, before we get into everything, we usually go into our errors and omissions, but I don't think we have any this week. So um, before we start, here's just a quick word from our sponsor. Dogwood Golf Club is a truly unique hybrid golf club conveniently located near Smyrna, Vinings, and Marietta. The course is hybrid because they offer membership and daily fee play. Their championship course is challenging for all levels of golfers and is frequently used for practice by some golf teams from a local university. Dogwood is a longtime supporter of all things Kennesaw. Be sure to visit their website at dogwoodgolfclub.com. Dogwood Golf Club an official sponsor of the Owl Chat Podcast. But anyway, starting with the flyover, we do have some soccer to talk about, which is what we usually start with when we do have stuff to talk about. Um, so acting head coach Chris Cahill has announced six signees um, of this latest class. Uh, we announced most of these when they committed, but now it's official. Um, we've got Ava Bradford, Layla Kerr, no relation to Steve, to my knowledge, uh, Angelina Norberhest, I think I got that one right, uh, Phoebe Scott, Isabella Stevens, and Morgan Mahoney. Um, in the golf world, we have no news on the men's or women's side this week, um, but we do have some tennis news. Uh, nothing from the women's side, but the men's uh, spring season schedule was released uh, recently, um, and to be honest, it's kind of a rough draw for us. Um, we go on the road five times to start the year at UNC Asheville, at UTSA, at Incarnate Word, at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, and then start conference playoff at North Florida. We do return home for two uh, matches against UNA and uh, Lipscomb, and then we go back on the road down to Florida at Stetson, at Florida Gulf Coast, at Austin P, at Bellarmine, and then we come back home to take on Queens and EKU. Um, that's all for tennis in track. Uh, head coach Kale McDaniel has been extended through 2027. Um, definitely worthy of the extension based on performance. Um, since McDaniel took over in 2018, the Owls have reached the podium at the ASUN Championships 367 times um, with 113 earning gold medals um, since McDaniel's takeover. Uh, McDaniel also produced uh, the very first Olympian and um, national champion in KSU history and Daniel Haw. Um, when he won the throwing national title in 2019. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for that. John, I know you got some women's basketball to talk about. Yeah, technically, didn't Alabama produce him and we just kind of ran with it? I will take it. 
<laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Um, so Kennesaw State uh, women's basketball news. Um, they lost on Sunday to Belmont, uh, 65 to 54. I believe that was a, a home game. Uh, Princess Harden had 17 and 9. Uh, the Owls also lost on Wednesday to San Diego State, 75-52. Uh, this is a tournament game in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Um, the game started out, you know, it wasn't terrible throughout, you know, San Diego State was up, you know, six-ish early, then it ballooned a little bit, 12, 14, and then it just got out of control, you know, the last uh, fourth quarter, especially late, it just ballooned out. Um, the listed attendance I saw was 44. So uh, if you're one of those 44, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Princess Harden had 14 and 10. Uh, Trinice Taylor had her second uh, strong performance in about two weeks, 15 and 6. Uh, they also uh, played uh, Providence since this was recorded, so I don't have the result right now, but uh, Providence is even better than San Diego State, uh, so I, I I guess I'm hoping for the best. Uh, the women's basketball team will also be in action uh, next week on Thursday against uh, Georgetown. Uh, men's basketball. Uh, we get the return game to Asheville this Saturday afternoon. We talked a little bit about that on the postgame show last time. Uh, they will be uh, gunning for us because we beat them in overtime a few weeks back. That was a back and forth contest, just really strongly contested. One of the best uh, non-conference games I've ever seen um, in person, or especially at Kennesaw. Um, this is going to be a good test considering we'll have to play you know, a lot of teams in conference twice as well. I will be making this trip, uh, as will Kai, but I know that uh, Kai has some uh, you know, more news and more preview for the uh, Asheville game. Yeah, just a few things. If you want to go back and listen to um, us talk about Asheville more, just go back a few episodes and listen to our um, original midweek preview. Um, but since playing us in Kennesaw, they've played three games. Um, it's been kind of a rough draw. They had to go play at Western Carolina, who's one of the better low major teams. They're probably the second best team in SoCon this year. Uh, and then they had to go play at Auburn. They lost both of those games, obviously, against the high major. Not a whole lot you can ask for. Um, and then they did get back in the win column with a win over South Carolina State. Um, I think the biggest note here is they do play Appalachian State tonight, and Appalachian State is pretty good. That game's also on the road, um, so they will be less rested than we will be, um, and hopefully that plays in our favor. Um, but that that's all I got. Um, I will be making the trip, like John said. Um, excited to see the arena. I haven't previewed it or looked at it at all, so I kind of just want to let it be a surprise. Yeah, and they're playing Appalachian State uh, on uh, on Thursday, uh, Thursday night, I believe. Um, that's actually a neutral site game at some kind of, I think, community college in Hickory or something like that. So that'll be interesting. Otherwise, I probably would have gone if it was in Nashville. Gotcha. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, but, you know, something to watch for uh, Owls fans looking to get another short little preview before our Asheville game. And hopefully, you know, they're they're winded by the time Saturday rolls around. Yep. And hopefully it'll be on ESPN plus or something like that. So if anybody wants to watch, you know, I'm sure I'll be busy since I'm making the trip. If anybody wants to watch and let us know, you know, how it looks, um, you know, watch the replay, please, by all means, uh, give us a shout uh, me or Kai on uh, Twitter slash X um, in some football news, former longtime offensive coordinator, Grant Chestnut, who kind of helped usher in the program who was here with us from like 2014 to 2022 or whatnot has left Navy after one season. I guess uh, he was dishonorably discharged ah, um, where he served as offensive coordinator. Uh, her, I've heard rumors that the Navy fans weren't happy with the offense, uh, but it's still surprising. He only got one year. Uh, former Owls DC Brian Newberry is actually the head coach there. So I'm assuming he made the final decision to make the new, make the move. 
awkward maybe probably yeah i'd say probably a little bit awkward uh but uh, you know hopefully coach chestnut catches on uh, elsewhere um in some signing uh, day news or actually let's talk about uh, travis bell first the falcons released uh, defensive lineman travis bell um, sometime this week after Sunday's game, uh, he ended up his Falcons career with two tackles over two games after spending some time on their practice squad. Luckily on Wednesday, he was picked up off the waiver wire by the Bengals. So I assume that means he's on the active roster. Don't know bank the Bengals situation, if he's going to be active, but you know, obviously if they claimed him, they're looking for defensive tackles. Um, the, the Bengals play the Steelers on Saturday at four 30 on NBC. So set your DVRs. So if you want to catch Travis, uh, if he's active, you might be able to do so. Um, kicker, Greg Kelly has signed with Chattanooga. He was previously committed to Kennesaw state as a preferred walk-on uh, his brother, Jude Kelly is their current kicker and Jude has one year left. So it could be a matter of him simply just wanting to play with his brother, but also, uh, Chattanooga gave him money. I'm pretty sure because they announced him on signing day, whereas KSU would not give him money and the Owls still do not have a kicker. Um, so Wednesday was signing day. KSU inked uh, 15 names, uh, but that doesn't mean we're done by any means. Coach Bohannon's stated goal was 25 signees at the postseason presser, and he said on his post-signing day press conference a couple days ago that they'd like 8 to 10 more. So that would put us in line with about the, you know, the 25 number. Um, now, take this for what it's worth, but somebody told me they had access to a recruiting service, and uh, KSU's recruits as a whole checked out as very athletic. The offensive linemen all graded very positively in uh, run blocking. Um, I'm not going to list the whole class because um, that would just be, you know, tedious. But if you want to see the entire class, we have it listed at uh, KSUOwlHowl.com. You can see all their offers, height, weight, all that good stuff. So I'm going to spare you the uh, boring name by name breakdown, but I am going to uh, give you some other breakdowns to uh, hit the key points. Um, the class consists of nine high school players, three JUCOs, two FBS transfers, and one FCS transfer, um, with one of the FBS transfers being a group of five and one being a, uh, you know, uh, power five. Um, we have uh, seven offensive linemen in the class, three wide receivers, two defensive linemen, two defensive backs, one linebacker. Um, no pear tree, no par, no pear tree. I know Christmas is coming up, but I'm not doing that. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm, you know, I'm basically, uh, you know, the Grinch over here. Uh, so state by state breakdown, six from Georgia, three from Alabama, one from Iowa, one from Florida, one from Mississippi, one from Kansas, one from Washington and one from, yep, Germany. Um, so that doesn't mean that, uh, they played ball there. That means that's where they're from. So if they went to a community college in Kansas or Washington, uh, or wherever that doesn't count, it's where they, you know, played their high school ball is kind of their hometown. Um, so some things that stood out and I'm going to go to Kai after this, just for his uh, sake. And then we'll discuss a little bit. Uh, there's no quarterback or kicker, please, please, please. We need at least one quarterback, at least one and at least one kicker. Um, I know we have an offer out to a uh, Jacksonville State transfer kicker, and I, I do see, I think we're following some quarterbacks, but uh, nobody's pulled the trigger yet. Um, very, very nervous about that. You know, one of those, you know, failures to get one of those could be a fatal flaw for next season. So, uh, or a, a critical overlook, however you want to put it. Um, we got one international player, as I mentioned, from Germany, uh, Benjamin Keynes. He's a 6'7", 275-pound offensive lineman. 
Um, I, I imagine he'll be a developmental type player. He's from like the NFL Academy, which is, I guess, run by Chris Durham, former NFL draft pick, former UGA wide receiver. Uh, we have Christian Moss, as I mentioned, our, our power five transfer from uh, Virginia Tech, a wide receiver who actually got in some games as a freshman. He played at a, at a Virginia Tech, of course, had, I think, what, five, six catches. And he also played at North Cobb Christian. Uh, he did not play last year, but he was enrolled in Virginia Tech as a student. So I'm not sure what happened there. Uh, locally, we have a uh, defensive lineman commit from Pope, Jaden Grimes. Uh, we have uh, Jacob Kettles, a right tackle with solid in-game experience at Montana State. Um, if you remember years back, the Owls uh, went to their house in the snow and uh, beat them. So I'm not sure if Jacob was aware of that or not, but that was a good uh, Kennesaw State bit of history. Uh, we also have uh, defensive back Devin Ross and linebacker Taiwan Christopher, uh, both from Thomas County Central. You have to wonder if that was a package deal. The Owls also have an offer out, at least as of months and months ago, to Malachi Thomas, a tight end from Thomas County Central. So wonder if, uh, you know, he might commit. I didn't see him sign anywhere on signing day. I could have missed it, but uh, who knows? And last but not least, defensive back uh Played some linebacker, I think. Uh, he's a uh, off. He was offered by uh, Kennesaw State in January 2023, before last year's class, but he ultimately chose to commit to Louisiana Monroe. So he is uh, coming back to uh, coming back to us. So uh, good to have Quay McCoy. Uh, Kai, what what is your take on this class? Your initial thoughts? Anything like that? Yeah, I mean, well, what stands out is the lack of a quarterback and the kicker. Um, like you said, we do have an offer out to a kicker. And from what I can tell, we're his only announced offer. So, um, you know, that bodes pretty well. There's a chance that that changes by the time this podcast goes up. But yeah, um, I know somebody mentioned uh, that I think we're ranked like 164 in the 24-7 rankings, which I think is a little misleading because I don't think um, JUCO guys get the same amount of respect as, you know, kids coming out of high school or kids transferring from uh, the Division One level. So that might be a little bit misleading. Um, but yeah, hope we go out and we get the eight, 10 more guys that, you know, we were promised. Um, I don't know. It's going to, I think the most intriguing prospect is definitely the kid from Germany. Um, I think you said he's six, seven, two seventy five. So yeah. I feel like you probably want him to put on like 30 to 50 more pounds, um, to fit in well on that O line. And if he does that, you know, that's, that's great size. Um, but yeah, a lot of, a lot of unknowns here. Um, I'm excited for uh, Moss from Virginia Tech. It's clear he has some talent. I mean, he got on the field and, you know, at the power five level um, and, you know, receiver is definitely a need from us. And he's a, a receiver player. named Moss. I mean, that's I, like a fit. Can't go, can't go wrong there. Absolutely. And like you said, he's from the area, um, which goes a long way. It means he wants to be here. Um, he'll probably be happier here. Uh, seems like things didn't work out too well at Virginia Tech for him. So um, that's, that's a positive, but uh, we need more updates, man. We need a quarterback. Um, I really don't want to be heading into the season with um, the battle being like Cole uh, McCarthy and uh, Bryson Daniels or um, Davis Bryson. Bryce Davis. Excuse me, Davis, Davis Bryson. Bryson. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll see. Um, pretty neutral so far. Yeah. And Tyler Nelson, I believe, is also in that battle um, for the quarterback position. And, you know, KSU did tout, you know, 164 as their best ranked class ever. Again, kind of misleading because, like, this is our first year recruiting for FBS. So we should be able to get a higher caliber kid. So comparing this to, like, the last eight years or nine years is 
doesn't really seem like apples to apples to me, but you're also right. You know, I don't know how JUCO kids are ranked and all of that kind of stuff. You know, we, some of the JUCO kids, you know, like offensive lineman Dodge Salser, he was at Iowa state, you know, before, you know, JUCO. And one of the other offensive linemen was at like New Mexico. So, you know what I mean? So there is that pedigree there as well. Sure. hundred percent. Um, it's, I mean, you don't blame recruiting services for having a tough time ranking these kids. It's hard to go out and pay attention to these games out in Kansas and Iowa and all that. But like you said, you know, that doesn't mean the kids are from there. Um, those are just kind of the Juco community college football hotbeds. Yeah. Uh, Mississippi, Kansas, Iowa, you know, all those. So yeah, hundred percent. Right. And, and like you said, the kicker is the kicker. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, we get one of those because the only ones we have on the roster is uh, the Presbyterian transfer. I'm not going to try to pronounce. And I think Eric Calvillo, as far as kickers, not punters. He was the one who um, started the Virginia lunch break game, right? Yeah, I think he just kicked the extra points. I mean, nine for nine on PATs. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have to to see how that goes. So that'll be something to watch for sure. But we definitely, if we go into, you know, a situation with no kicker, I mean, we're in trouble. Um, And also Ronnie Thomas, uh, long snapper, uh, signed with Georgia Tech, so Kennesaw State transfer. So I'm not sure if the Owls wouldn't give him a scholarship or, you know, what the situation is there. Uh, we do have one long snapper currently on our roster. I think Jacob Osborne, I think is his name, number 58. So maybe the Owls were comfortable with him, but we do need to invest in our uh, special teams. I know we invested in a punter, Jacob Ulrich, and then it turns out we had a pretty good punter, Hewitt, on the roster. So yeah. um, just funny how that turns out. Like, we need a damn kicker, so. Yeah, got to figure out our priorities. But um, if that's all you got on recruiting, John, I can go ahead and take us to our uh, discussion question. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. So, John, I know you got basically a monologue on this, but uh, I'll go ahead and lead and ask the question um, that was posed by a listener, I believe. Um, do you think our basketball ceiling is higher this year than last year? Uh, well, the whole question is, do you think our basketball ceiling is higher than last year? Quote, me and my friends got into an argument over this, and I'd love to hear yours and Kai's take. So that was the uh, complete question for me. My apologies. I thought that was just part of the outline. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no. Whoever submitted that. Yeah. So, um, this, so my first reaction was, uh, this is such a good question. And how do I know it's a good question? Because I sat there like looking like an idiot, like a deer in headlights when I read it. I spent like seconds thinking, I don't, I, 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 I don't know. Um, so I kind of broke this down. I think there's pros and cons of, you know, each class and we're not going to do like a, how I met your mother pros and cons list. Don't worry. But, you know, I do want to go into detail and it's very important to remember the root of the question, which is, is our ceiling higher than last year? Just remember that. So we have the benefit of hindsight with last year's team when answering this question. Um, it's not like I've been living under a rock since before last year's tournament. And I don't know that we lost to Xavier. Um, but what I mean is, you know, I know that the ceiling of last year's team was capped at the round of 64 because that's what they did. They lost in round one. And the unknown that we're working with is the ceiling of this year's team. And we're still playing ball and we still have limitless potential because we're alive. We haven't lost yet. Um, I do think we underachieved last year and probably should have beaten Xavier, but we didn't. So if you ask me what the ceiling of last year's team was at this exact moment, 365 days ago, 
Uh, I can't tell you, but I knew, but I also know it was limitless because we were not eliminated yet. But we did get wiped last year by San Diego State on December 12th, choked away VCU on the 26th, got tanked by Campbell on November 20th. So we were a bit inconsistent. We picked up wins along the way, like Mercer, USC Upstate, Charleston Southern, and won a couple tournament games, I think, versus Appalachian State and one more. So, you know, it was up and down. Um, we had a very veteran team last year that was together for years. You had Spencer Rogers, Alex Peterson, Chris Youngblood, uh, Demond Robinson, uh, Casey Jennings, Brandon Shroud, Terrell Burden, all in the three to five years of college experience window. Those are the types of teams that usually make Cinderella runs at our level. Uh, thinking of Dunk City, look at Mercer beating Duke. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, like I said, I think maybe we underachieved last year, um, but I have to use that standard when answering the question, because ultimately we did lose in the round of 64. Uh, so we ran a slower offense last year, which could have been beneficial, you know, in advancing in the tournament in terms of grinding away games against more athletic teams like Xavier. So I, I don't know how our running offense is going to do. Um, we also had a coach who had three to four years to install his systems, get his players. The team was bought in. Uh, fast forward to this year. The team is still bought in with the new coach, new players and everything. Uh, disadvantage on paper, but we are looking ahead of schedule and picking up these wins and tough games early, uh, which is a very encouraging sign to me. Uh, the team is playing hard. Uh, Amir's teams didn't usually peak until conference time or even within conference time, and I expect that to be the same here. I also expect even more growth to be had simply because everything is still new and there's likely more room to get better individually from these players and as a team. Um, for example, Jason Holt, still a wild card. We don't even know where he's going to fit in in the rotation. Um, he's only played one game against subpar competition, but I think defensively, you know, he has a pretty high floor and that could really help us shut some teams down and makes us makes us nine deep, which is what we were last year. If you add, uh, you know, the freshman Simeon Cottle. Um, so this year's team does have an advantage having a slim down Demon Robinson who can stay on the court for 30 plus minutes without subbing out every couple minutes. Uh, that's an advantage over last year's pudgy but lovable Demond Robinson. Um, last year's team had athletic wings, Youngblood, Stroud, Adam Akoya. This year's team has the same. I'd probably take Peterson over Ranji for his savvy and all of that. You also have a developed Simeon Cottle averaging 17 instead of four that he averaged last year. But back to the original question, which team has the higher ceiling? I'm going to give a bit of a cop-out answer. Now, the only way we reach the tourney this year is by winning the A-Sun tourney, right? Well, winning the A-Sun tourney this year on paper is easier without Liberty. Also, EKU struggling, as we've talked about. I do expect them to turn around, but they're still struggling right now. Then you have Lipscomb, maybe Stetson, North Alabama as top competition. So I ask myself, can we win the A-Sun this year? My answer is yes, definitely, absolutely. And what that means is as soon as the buzzer sounds and we win the A-Sun in 2024, We've tied last year's ceiling. We've tied last year's accomplishments at minimum. Um, going back to my point about hindsight, I know what last year's team did and they capped out. So there's more, there's no more potential or upward for that last year's team. They're done. Uh, the history books are written. This year's team still has that potential because they're still playing. If you're in it, you can win it. So that is the huge caveat. So yes, there's a higher ceiling on that technicality in some funky universe where I didn't know how last season ended against Xavier. I might have to reevaluate. I will say that I am very interested to see us play Indiana this year on the 29th. I want to see how we handle high major athletes who will probably press us. Uh, we really struggled versus that against FSU, but that was 
earlier in the season and also even against FIU, but uh, also earlier in the season. Um, I know Indiana isn't great, but they're still a high major and it's going to be probably the most athletic team we're going to see until uh, hopefully uh, NCAA tournament time. So if that game is highly competitive, that does bode well for us there. So winding down here in my answer, yes, our ceiling is higher this year because our ceiling is not set. Cop out? Yeah, probably, but it's true. If you disagree with that, then we have to undertake the argument that last year's team underachieved. So there's my thesis. I I hope you give me an A+. I'd love to hear listener feedback, but we're going to go to Kai first and we're going to discuss this. So if you go in with that approach of this is what, you know, the 2023 team did and this is what the 2024 team could do. I mean, it's it's hard to disagree because the theoretical ceiling is, you know, a national championship, right? But Exactly. We're not delusional. Um <laughs> so I I I have a really really hard time saying this team has a higher ceiling than last year's if we take away the loss or if we take away what they did um being the ceiling for what they could have been last year, if that makes sense. I think last year's team, if they had gotten over Xavier, makes the Sweet 16. I don't know if you stuck around in Greensboro and watched the Iowa State pit game um, after hours, but we would have been rough. It was it was a terrible game. We would have beaten either of those guys. Um, So I think last year's team had, excuse me, a ceiling of the Sweet 16. Uh, This year, we're in a worse conference, you know, now that Liberty's gone. I mean, people need to remember um, the reason we were seeded so highly or so highly we were a 14 seed is because we had like two, you know, net top 50 wins against Liberty. Um, and the conference was a lot deeper, um, this year, even if we, you know, run the table and win the conference, unless we like go undefeated, um, it's going to be hard to justify putting us above a 15 seed this year. Uh, all the bracketologists right now, um, are penciling us in as the ASEN champions because, you know, they don't pay attention. Um, not that we're, you know, not the best team in the conference. I definitely think we are, but they're going to look at who's, who's at the top and they're going to like, okay, we're going to write them in. And then they rank conferences, right? The ASUN's near the bottom this year. Um, we're probably going to be looking at a 15 um, or 16 seed if we do win the conference. Um, and that that's going to be a tough matchup. And the way we've looked against high major opponents, you know, we only have a one game sample size um, and kind of the inexperience of this roster um, in contrast to last year. Um, I have a tough time saying uh, we're not going to have a much tougher time in the tournament if we do make it that far. Uh, so if you want to take your approach, John, and say, okay, based on what we did last year, does this team have a higher ceiling? Then sure, this team has a higher ceiling. But I don't think if we just replayed the seasons over again that this team has more potential than last year's team did. Um, so that's that's my answer. Got it. And so, you know, I, I disagree with you on the seating. You know, I think I've seen a 14 seed out there, um, but I, I think 15 is our floor. I mean, there's some really bad conferences. And, you know, if we win, if we pick up some wins against Asheville, another one against Indiana, I mean. I I hate to say it, but I I don't think there are that many conferences worse than the uh, the ASUN. I mean, you got the MIAC and the SWAC who are always, you know, not great. But you got to keep in mind, um, you know, there are six 16 seeds, uh, not four. Um, yeah. So um, and then. 415 seed. So all that's, you know, if we're a bottom 10 conference and we win it all, that's that's what we're, you know, relegated to. I think 14 is pushing it. Um, we need like the EKUs and the Lipscombs of the world to step it up and finish well so we uh, get that resume boost. 
if that's the case. Um, but look, what people need to remember is if we make the tournament as a 15 seed and get, you know, blown out by Kentucky in the first round, I don't think any of us will be complaining. That will be a greatly successful season. Um, it means, you know, we won't have the nightmare scenario of Petway leaving more than likely. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it's it. I don't know. Mid-major, small-major basketball is such a weird thing to analyze and approach um, in terms of expectations. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the goal at this point of the year, looking around at the Ace Sun and looking how we've played so far, um, is to get to the tournament um, and, and to win the Ace Sun. I think and, that's. And I don't think we'll. I don't. I honestly don't think we'll get a 16 unless we, you know, greatly underachieve to where I think we're gonna how we're gonna be. Um, then maybe a 16 is in play. But, you know, I think as long as we do fairly well in conference and, you know, with, obviously we'd win the conference. Yeah, I, I can't see us getting worse than the 15. And you don't want to get a 16. That's basically a death sentence almost. I, I agree. I don't think we'll end up at a 16. I think it's more than likely if um, things go the way we kind of expect them to go. Let's say we go. Uh, how many conference games do we play this year? Is it 18 again? I'm not, I'm honestly not sure. Gotcha. Well, if it's 18 again and we go 15 and three, I think um, we were a fringe 14 seed last year. Anyways, um, I think we're probably looking around 15. Um, also, it we'll see how, you know, the big South plays out for them. But so far, Asheville has been um, kind of underwhelming this year. It seems like they've taken a bit of a step back. Um, so that may hurt our resume a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, some of the other non-conference teams we've played, um, are going to be near the bottom hundred of the Ken Palm or, you know, the net rankings or whatever you want to use um, the upstates, the Presbyterians of the world. So um, we'll see. It's uh, the schedule is not as strong this year. Um, what disappoints me is we're probably not going to have as good of an idea of how good this team is. You know, last year uh, that team was battle tested. That team played Liberty twice and beat them twice. That team hung with Indiana, hung with Florida, um, should have beaten Xavier, should have beaten VCU. Um, so we had a much better idea of how we stacked up against that high major competition this year. I don't think we really get that luxury, which kind of sucks, but, um, it is what it is. That is a good point, but you know, Lipscomb is, I think still ranked above us. So, and they're going to, that's, they're doing that without Ignacevic, who's probably going to come back. So if Liberty, uh, Liberty Lipscomb might be the standard, you know, I don't know if we play them once or twice, but that might be the game to watch. We play them once and it's at their place. So, so that so that that could be, you know, the good uh, litmus test, uh, for yep. example. But as you know, as far as, you know, under, you know, last year's team goes without the theoretical ceiling, I agree with you. We could have absolutely, you know, gotten to the sweet 16, but we didn't. Um, last year's team did have, you know, they did have some flaws. You know, they went cold for too many stretches. Um, you know, demand wasn't able to give as many minutes as he did now mm -hmm. or as he could now. But, um, you know, this year's team, you know, if we win the A-Sun, then, you know, we, you know, it's anybody's game. If we get a 15 or a 14, we have a chance. Um, you know, the, with the way things are right now, it's you're seeing more upsets each year, I think, than you did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, so it's, you know, it's possible. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, if you run a simulation back, you know, from, you know, a 14 seed from last year's team versus, you know, a 15 from this year's team – yeah, you know, last year's team is probably going to, you know, win a 14 seed is probably going to win more than a 15, assuming uh, if you're right, that that's what we're going to get. Um, and again, we don't know how, you know, this year's team is predicated on run, 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 run. And a lot of those high, you know, high major teams can kind of match our athleticism and run with us. Whereas, you know, last year is just to grind it down to a halt a little bit, 
you know, value the possessions a little bit more, that kind of yeah. thing. I mean, that's why we hung with, you know, Xavier's because on paper, you know, Xavier beats us, um, you know, 10 times out of 10. I mean, they, their shooting and their size was head and shoulders above us. Um, but we were very, very well connected. Um, we were in our offense very well. We were able to get, you know, Cottle and Burden good looks at the rim. Um, and I just don't know if we're going to have that chemistry and that, uh, that cohesiveness this year. Um, but you know, long way to go. Uh, we've got a bunch of conference games. Obviously you expect the team to get better. Um, you know, things either get better or the, the you know, the wheels fall off or um, they stay the same. And, you know, we just kind of, we're where we are right now. I, I doubt that we see like little to no development over the next 20 games or so. Exactly. I think we're gonna, I think we're either, I, I would hope, and I would expect that we would look better at the end of the season. Um, but you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure on Petway now he's taken over a team that, um, at this point of the year is, you know, expecting to win the conference. I mean, that has become the expectation we've gotten almost all the way through non-conference play. Um, you know, we have the best record in conference. We've got, you know, a handful of, um, good looking wins and it's like, why not? You know, um, we're not playing for the NIT. We're not playing to improve and sell to recruits. I mean, Look, man, we've got Terrell and Demond here now. Let's let's go win the conference again. That's the expectation. Yeah. And I was tempering expectations, if you remember, before the season, kind of. Oh, as you should have been, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, going in, it's different, but I'm saying at this point in the year, um, yeah. that's become the expectation. And that's what I'm saying. You know, at the beginning of the year, they've exceeded those expectations, and right now, they've set, you know, unbeknownst to himself, you know, just by how things work he's kind of set new expectations at this point. Sure. So if we, you know, if we fall off and, you know, start losing, well, you know, it's a, what have you done for me lately um, type of world. And, you know, Petway could get caught by his own early success. So we need to keep playing hard um, besides the last game versus Brasilla, which is an NAA game, like around Christmas time. I mean, come on, that's a, you know, I hate playing those. But, you know, we if we play, bring the intensity that we brought last time versus Asheville, last time versus Presbyterian and most of the other games, I mean, we're going to rack up wins. Um, mm-hmm. We need to see how we're going to get Jason Holt in the rotation. Um, again, that's a big piece. Like if if we can, you know, make good use of him and maybe mix up even mix up our defenses more because we have a guy like Jason Holt, um, you know, maybe use him more like uh, Brandon Stroud. Um, I know we did some zone and you know, had Stroud at the top of the zone, his long arms could bother some defenders, that kind of thing. So. Yeah, we got a chance to uh, get to 10 non-con wins against Asheville um, on Saturday, which is something I don't think we've ever done before. I think we had nine last year. So um, it's all still out there. We just need to schedule like five non-D1s each year. Yeah, just BS it. I mean, look, see, that was like my complaint this year is like, okay, we're nine and three, but we've played, you know, three NAIA teams. It's like, well, I mean, last year we played LaGrange, Bruden, Parker, and Georgia College. Like those are, they're not NAIA, but you know, it's the same bullshit team. Same, same, same deal. Exactly. Um, So when when Amir went like one in 28 in the first year, like we didn't play any and Mm -hmm. our one win was Gardner Webb. So it's like, and then in the second year, it's like, oh, we increased from one to 10 wins. Well, yeah, you know, if you, or whatever it was. Yeah. If you increase, if you schedule these cupcakes and you didn't schedule any the year before, you're automatically starting the next year, like three and oh, you know what I mean? Wasn't Gardner Webb like pretty decent at the time too? Yeah, they were, they were average. And I've told this story a million times, but we played that game. I think guys were out because of discipline or whatnot. We had seven players, including one big man that was a walk-on that barely ever played. And we swept the floor with them by 24 for our own, for our win. 
Yeah. It was the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And I think it's because Santa was in the house, I think, that night yeah. uh, before Christmas time. So it was a Santa miracle. Santa miracle, sure. Um, we avoided the 0-29, but uh, Southern might not. Um, I'm quietly rooting for the the uh, winless Georgia Southern season, but that's another story. GATA, baby. Uh, that would be uh, that would be uh, awesome if uh, Georgia Southern happened. And, you know, it would suck if they were like, won one game and they actually it was the one versus us and we didn't beat them for some reason that would yeah. be brutal. yeah well it didn't happen and to be honest i don't care that that game was close they had a really good shooting night so you know it was hard to complain um but you know look yeah, we'll take up, it East yeah, carolina hit the, the damn half court yep. shot you know yep, yep. i mean look <laughs> you know we want to keep talking about um this non-conference season so far we're a miracle away from being 10 and 2 um with a loss to fsu yeah, but the way uh, I look about it is there's miracles on the other side, too. You know what I mean? Like Demond Robinson going four for four from three. And, you know, yeah. it works its way out. And I think it evens yeah. out. But I see yeah. what you're definitely still, right. I still think we would have we would have handled Presbyterian, even if Demond doesn't shoot that well. Um, oh, definitely. That's just my that's just my point. Sure. I mean, there's sure. little things yeah, in you, other games. Can, yeah. But when it comes to the ECU game, that was, I mean, like. You're, Another you're, level of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're a second away from winning. Um but yeah, um, but that's all I got, man. Unless you got anything else to add, I can go ahead and take us out. No, I, th- I think I'll just end it on. Uh, you know what? I'm going to be I'm going to be optimistic for once and just say, regardless of last year's team, regardless of underachieving, our ceiling is higher this year. I'm going to I'm just going to be positive whether I truly believe that or not, because there's no right answer. Last year's team was tremendous. This year's team t- could be tremendous. I, I want this team to do better than we did last year. I want this team to get that tournament win. And so I'm going to try to wish it to existence right now. So that's it. Here you go. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we will be back to recap the UNC Asheville game at some point. Uh, it might get a little bit tricky with uh, the holidays and all that, but um, we will keep you guys all updated on the Twitter um, for news notes and updates and um, you know, other fun stuff followed at the Owl Chat Podcast or at, is it at the Owl Chat Podcast? At Owl, I think it's at Owl Chat Podcast. At Owl Chat Podcast on Twitter. Um, trust us, it's a good follow. Um, it's, dare I say, an essential for all KSU fans. Um, but yeah. And it helps us out. So we know you're listening and showing your support. So please follow us if you're listening. 100%. All right. Everybody have a uh, great couple of days. We'll be back to recap Asheville. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!